Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got Jameson, we got Ty. And if you're watching this, this is the legit Schooner Pod, not a, a very fast uh, hot dog eating uh, episode, which is what we did when we started. But we're here for now, we're here for real, and we're here to talk about uh, OU and their new uh, coordinators. Jameson, uh, the shoes finally dropped, Jeff Levy. And uh, Ted Roof are the guys. Um, what are your initial reactions to uh, Levy, a name we all thought was probably going to happen, and uh, Ted Roof, a name that none of us thought was going to happen? Yeah, I, I say we start with Levy and we hit towards Roof. I've got, I've got, you know, a couple things to say about both, and I think that the Levy hire was something that Venables has been wanting to do for a long time. It seems like they have a close relationship with each other, and it did came come out that he would have probably tried to bring him to Auburn with him if he were to have taken that job last year, whenever it was offered to Venables. So this guy's always been kind of, you know, in Venables, you know, just ready for him to, for the taking. And he was ready to pay on the money that he needed to get. And, you know, he's getting paid a little, was it $4 million to come to OU? Like one of the more um, high, highest coordinators in the country, like, He's got a lot of expectation on him now because coming into this system, you've got to have a potent offense at Oklahoma because we got a strong identity here. Yeah, no, it, uh, $4 million is a lot. And uh, as we saw from the Venables contract, you know, uh, which was $6 million, um, it, it's clear that a lot of – they're putting a lot of eggs into the levy basket, uh, especially when it comes to, you know, offense because – this is a Oklahoma as a program has become known for prolific offenses. Um, obviously, other th- you know with Caleb Williams at the helm, big offensive okay. um, you know uh, mindset for sure. What's up, Jameson? I, was it four million? Because it came out of my mouth. No, it doesn't seem two, right. Was it four million total I think it's or two, two a year? Two, million? two a year for two years. Yeah. Okay. Four, two. Two. Yeah. Okay. He's not making four million a year. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Four million. Okay. I, right, so I am so sorry. That did yeah. not. As soon as I said that, I was like. Just stick with the Jameson, stick to your guns. Because I looked at it, I was like, this ain't right. No, I think I think it's two million. And that that it's sounds two about million. it's, it's two still million. two million is still yeah. a lot. Oh, two no, million no, no. is still a lot. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Right, that was, well, that was just weak, weak, weak. Okay, yeah. He's definitely. getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> yes, that's so, what it, all all in all, whatever it is, it's one of the highest amount in the country for coordinators. So obviously we believe in him a lot. And um, the way he plays, you know, he's been successful everywhere he goes. I know people talk about like, oh, whenever you're Central Florida, who cares? But still, like you put out a pretty darn good offense there. And then you did it at a second location in the SEC country where it's hard to come for like come by good offenses in the SEC. So obviously he has something that's working and he's very highly regarded in the way he play um, coaches. Um, that Brent Venables would want him either at Auburn or at Oklahoma. It isn't just because he's, uh, you know, an Oklahoma legacy. Yeah, and I mean, if you wanted a top offensive mind in college football, um, he is definitely the next on that list. Um, as far as guys to replace a Lincoln Riley esque scheme, this is your guy. This is the guy you want. Um, Ty, your thoughts on everything? With yeah, I think one of the biggest things um, that that this has done is. Obviously, we're not out of the woods yet, but it, it would seem that this has retained Caleb Williams, uh, especially based off of uh, Caleb Williams' recent posting. Uh, just today, he did a big OU um, photo dump on his on his Instagram. So that is a that's good to see. That is a that is a benefit. And, and when we're talking about uh, Caleb Williams, I think it's important just 
sort of uh, behind the, the curtain. Uh, on the offensive side, we're also retaining, you know, Bill Biedenbaum as the line coach, Kale Gundy, of course, um, and then DeMarco Murray. So we're retaining a, a good core of, of guys that are junior on the offensive side uh, when it comes to coaching, but guys that are bringing in, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, we're having not a complete replacement for the people that are really interacting with the players the most, the position coaches, uh, which is always really good. Yeah, beaten ball was a big, big um, shoe to fall there. Uh, it, I, I thought he was instantly USC the night that uh, Lincoln left. Uh, so keeping him was was huge. Um, so, very exciting yeah. stuff. Personally, not not to be too cynical, I, his contract is up, I think, in a year. Um, and I would assume that he's at the at the career point. I don't think many people would disagree that he's looking to to move up, whether that be to the NFL to be a line guy or or uh, you know just at a higher position within the the coordinator realm. So, my personal opinion on it is that he probably didn't want to go commit to a long term rebuild somewhere when he could stay, you know, ride out his his good contract here at a good school and and then you know, move on. Cause why go commit? If, if you want to go to the NFL, why delay it for, you know, three, four years to go try to rebuild something and potentially even hurt your, uh, your resume. So, yeah. And Joe also brings up uh, Joe John Finley uh, also remaining as well. Um, you know, keeping that H back room intact. And, you know, uh, that was definitely going to happen as Joe John Finley and uh, uh, Jeff Levy are pretty close uh, due to, uh, because of their time together at OU. Uh, so, and of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the controversy of Levy, um, his involvement at Baylor, uh, Joe Castiglione and Levy both released a statement, a joint statement about it, uh, addressing it. Um, but beyond that, I, I don't feel like it was really, it was kind of toothless. Uh, at the same time, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of trust Joe C here with most things, uh, but I, I think it's still a bit of a bummer to see nothing said but also legally i realized you know you can't say too much i, I don't know it's it, it's 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 a it's a little bit of a disappointing mess and um i don't know it, it, it's a bummer that's here's 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 my thought process with that bobby because you know they obviously hired him and they did their vetting process and <clears throat> you know oklahoma is a, a team that we like to think of i'm, I'm not trying to white knight here but we feel like we hold ourselves in a, a very high esteem comparative to other programs. Um, but what really is the point of completely knocking your new hire into the dirt over and over and over and just really going at him in this time? Is that just going to create more negative press for you and just more eyeballs on this situation? You know, like it's, we understand like a lot happened in the past, but you know, he's been through it. He's released multiple statements in the past. He's been through the print through it, had multiple coaching jobs after that. Um, what what happened at Baylor obviously is you know horrible and everything that happened. But um, every time he gets a new job, why does it have to be a whole new conversation? You know, I, I think that's fair. Um, I also think it's just kind of he, he's never apologized for it, which is I think frustrating. Um, but again, I, I think you're right. It, it's kind of like uh, people have moved on. Obviously, Levy has moved on to different schools, uh, and nobody was cross. You know, no one was interrogating UCF. No one was interrogating Ole Miss about it. Um, it's frustrating that he's been able to move on and not had to really answer for anything. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know what OU does here other than just not hire the guy 
Um, yeah. But again, he Castiglione uh, vetted him, and apparently, if it's not bad enough to hire him, still, I, I guess it's okay. But Ty, I, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, what do you, What do you have to say? Yeah, this one is is rough. Like you guys have have touched on. Obviously, it's it's unfortunate that we are. Uh, in a way, inheriting you know a, a a terrible legacy of of uh, things that happened at at a different school. Um, I, I agree with you guys on ultimately we have to trust uh, what Consiglione and uh, Joe Haraz and and everyone else has has done here, uh, with the understanding that they obviously are privy to much more information uh, than will ever be made public with, with their, uh, their legal teams and, and experts sort of really looking into these things uh, with something beyond just message board and, and social media um, speculation. So there is that there it's, it's still uh it's still rough. I'm, I'm conflicted. You know, you can, you can be an OU fan and, and not be a fan of a, of a specific guy. Um, a lot of people, I think, you know, think back that a lot of people weren't fans of, of uh, Baker, you know, not to not to compare it. Um, a lot of people, you know, remained OU fans and weren't fans of, uh, um, you know, numerous guys that have, have been here over the years. I, I will Mixon. say, yeah, Mixon. Um, I, I'm not super excited. I mean, I, I still have the sort of outdated view that ultimately it's a it's a it's a school and it's a school's football team. And I would hate for us to make a decision that is better for the, you know, entertainment business disguised as a football team. If that decision uh, puts the actual students in, in danger, you know, cause that's the whole point of, of the university of Oklahoma. So not saying that this does, I, I think there maybe were some better ways we, we could have approached it, but there's, I mean, the, we got to trust that they have, more information than we do. And, and they think that they're making the right decision. They're certainly much better uh, qualified to make these decisions I think, than, than most people that are speculating about it. So. Yeah. And the most important thing now is just, you know, keep things, you know, honestly, uh, you know, just keep him compliant, keep him to it and make sure that it doesn't become an issue. Uh, he's obviously learned his lesson and I believe people can deserve second chances. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Hopefully he doesn't mess up again, and hopefully when a difficult situation like that uh, comes to him, he makes the right call instead of making the wrong call, um, like he did at Baylor, allegedly. Um, yeah, I, I really want to like hammer this in. What I was saying earlier, more so, was not my viewpoint on Levy as a person, because I think Levy as a person made a mistake and did not do the right thing at Baylor. I'm talking about the University of Oklahoma's kind of aspect of it. If they did their due diligence and they did all their vetting, like you said, you know, having to do all these theatrics of like trying to like, you know, saying like, what we did is not that big of a deal. Like we, we trust our process and making all these announcements, kind of what Joe just said in the chat there. It's like, it's, it's, why would you have to do all that much to begin with? You know, don't, there's really no point for Oklahoma to make this a huge deal from their standpoint, because, what is the, what positive is that going to do for their public image? There's going to be zero positive that comes from it. As long as they address it minorly, you know, dressing it in a major way and like damning yourself for it. Why'd you even make the hire to begin with? Yeah. Um, and I, I think the answer to that is to win football games. And they felt like any sort of PR hit was less than, you know, 
that higher. Um, and again, this this is a guy who you know he's not the he's not the Jeff Levy in 2016. That Jeff Levy made mistakes, learned from him, and is the Jeff Levy now. And the best you can do is hope that the guy actually has changed and would not make those decisions. Um, and if the vetting process comes through and says that he won't. He, he won't screw up and has learned and has improved, then so be it. But um, I, 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 I think that's the cynical, frustrating uh, way of it. Um, and whether or not you believe that, you know, someone who, you know, potentially botched a Title IX issue deserves another chance to coach, again, that's that's up to you. Um, but at this point, all we can do is just hope, hope for the best, I guess. Um, so, anyways, let, let's move kind of past this. Um I feel like we've talked about it a good amount um, and addressed it, but um... football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's just that simple. Of course, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, like Oklahoma, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That is TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gaming problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's move on to the other side of the football here. Defensively, Ted Roof, uh, a previous uh, coach, basically everywhere in college football, and um, a uh, previously a defensive analyst at Clemson, has gotten the DC position. This, uh, nevertheless, to say, disappointed a lot of OU fans. Uh, it was a shocker. Kind of came out of left field. What? What? Why? Why was this hire made, Jameson? This is my thought process on it, and I feel like a lot of people are looking for some home run young guy up and coming because that's what we're accustomed to. That's what we were doing in the past, you know, with Alex Grinch and with Lincoln Riley as the offensive side of that. We're trying to get these young up and comers. But here's the deal, guys. Lincoln Riley leaving completely set us back in what we want to do and shooting for the stars. And to be completely honest, y'all, we cannot be trying to hit home run hitters every single time we're at bat now in this coaching chase. We need to, and like what we did, I think, with Venables is this, is make very high floor guys um, as our hires because we're going into a very, very tumultuous time in the SEC. Ted Roof, he's very experienced, and you know exactly what you're getting from him. High floor guy. Is he the high ceiling guy? Is he going to like be, bring this new system that college football has never seen and break the defensive system? Um, of OU? No. But guess what? We have a very strong defensive-minded head coach who hired a defensive coordinator, something we haven't seen Lincoln Riley do, hire an offensive coordinator as an offensive coach. And what is the point 
of a guy who already is a defensive head coach who wants to have a stamp on the defense to bring in a guy that would have a different system than him. He brings in a guy that has a similar system that he's worked with in the past and he knows what he's getting from him. So I think it was a perfect hire, in my opinion. Bobby, you're muted. Classic. Of course, some things just never change. And we have a, a comment here in uh, the YouTube here from uh, T. Huber. Uh, T. Huber uh, is it better to have Coach Venables with more influence on the defense with the Ted, Ted Roof hire sword cuts both ways? And, you know, in a way, you know, I, I kind of agree with you, Jameson. It's, when you really look at this, uh, it, it kind of is an, it's kind of a position where he's building out a defensive room. And even though Ted Roof has a, you know, shaky record and, you know, you, you, you probably don't want him in charge of everything. Uh, and, and on my Twitter, when it came out, I said it was basically like an interim CEO position, but someone, you know, is uh, kind of uh, Logan Roying the thing in the background, uh, which I think it is because, you know, let's be honest, uh, Venerables is going to have a massive hand in that defense and how it's run and how it's operated and uh, how it works, you know, as the game goes on. Uh, just looking at his energy, looking at how he behaves on the sidelines, uh, how active he is, it, it it's impossible to imagine him not doing that still defensively. Maybe not calling plays, maybe not doing everything, having his hands in it the way he would at Clemson, but he, I, I think he's still going to be very, very much like the the, the guy pulling the strings defensively. Uh, for sure. And, you know, we can, we'll talk about Brandon Hall a little bit who, uh, joined as well. A, a name we threw out actually, uh, you know, earlier, but that kind of gave me a, a, a picture as to what he's doing. He's building a room of defensive minds, but he's still the head guy. Um, and he's just using all these people to kind of work it together. So I, I, I think he's probably just a DC and name only. Ty, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's like we've kind of talked about on some previous when we were speculating about the coaches. Uh, is Ted Roof the number one name that we would have wanted? Probably not. Uh, is he the best guy out there uh, as a defensive coordinator? Probably not. Uh, but is he potentially the best one for this system? Because really, when you're building out a, a team – of, of individuals, it's not always about having just the best pieces, um, you know, to, to stack up. Sometimes it's about having the, the pieces that fit best with each other. And you, you got to trust Brent Venables here. Uh, he knows defensive stuff. He knows uh, defensive coaches and, and everything else. And I think him bringing someone along that he has worked with before, because go, if you go look at, I know Clemson had a down year this year their defense was very impressive. Very, I mean, they held a playoff team to no offensive touchdowns. Um, so he knows what he's doing. Uh, I think he will have a, a pretty big hand in it, but it is good that we have someone out there as a DC to, to lighten that load. Even if Venables is, is you know, bearing a, a large portion of it, it's not going to be a Lincoln Riley, you know, full head coach, full OC situation where there's no one else even close in experience on the offensive staff. We got a guy with a wealth of experience. He has an abysmal record as a head coach, but he's been a head coach at a D one program before, which is going to come with some understanding. He has worked with Venables for a year before. So I, I think that roof is a good get here. And, and really you can't tell that past performance is not indicative of, of future results. We don't know 
what this next year is going to hold. Uh, maybe this is the system where he, he finally clicks. Some guys don't work in, in any system. Some guys, um, you know, just require certain things around them, and then other guys can go succeed uh, anywhere. So we'll just see what we have here, but I don't think anyone should be worried. I, I agree. Um, and the name that kind of, I think, made a lot of big OU fans kind of less worry about, like I said earlier, Brandon Hall, Troy's uh, defensive coordinator, like head DC, not just a defensive coach. Uh, their DC uh, kind of taking a step down in terms of position, but a step up in terms of, uh, you know, job quality. Uh, Oklahoma is obviously a step up from Troy. Uh, so, Jameson, we kind of talked about it a little bit last podcast. Uh, but your thoughts on the addition of Brandon Hall? So we have not officially added him yet. The scoop, whatever um, tweet was, they had like sources that he was going to get out, but it's still in limbo. But, you know, whenever things are tweeted out like that, um, you can kind of read the tea leaves. And this was a guy that Brent Venables reached out to um, very early in the process, just right around the same time he was talking to Levy as a guy he wanted to hire to his staff. You know, we thought that he would be a defensive coordinator, a guy that they would hire. Um, but, you know, now he's moving to safeties from D.C. at Troy. And while that you th- do think that's going down a little bit, like this is Oklahoma, like the place that he was in the past. And whenever you're on the big stage and if your your group performs well, you can move up to a higher rank. So in all honesty, is it uh, a downward move, lateral move? No, but I think it's more of a bet on yourself move for him if he does indeed take this job. Because if his group does well on a more national spotlight, he should be able to move up in this world if he wants to. And potentially at Oklahoma, honestly. Uh, Ted Roof is kind of old. He's been around like a while. And if you look at his Wikipedia page, he moves around a lot. So, you know, that could be a position where he is in line for that top job. Success, uh, secession wise. So, um, Ty, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, obviously, until things are fully, you know, inked down with the lawyers and everything, we, we don't know. But like we talked about in a previous podcast when we were talking about Hall, um, it's good to see someone that has some connection, obviously not a huge one, but some connection uh, to the Tulsa high school football scene because that's something that. OU really needs to get better at recruiting. Uh, Tulsa does, you know, obviously doesn't produce the same amount of people as as some other cities, but Tulsa produces quality players, uh, and OU has historically been very bad uh, as the flagship in-state program at, at recruiting from our second largest city. Um, OSU, I think, if you just looked at just Tulsa, you could argue far out recruits us. Um in Arkansas to an extent as well when it comes to Tulsa. So when we're talking about rounding out stuff, I, I'm really excited to potentially start to get uh, a little bit more into recruiting there because as we move to the SEC, whenever that occurs, we really need to have our own state lockdown. Like it shouldn't be a question about whether or not we're going to sign people from Oklahoma because like it's not Texas. It's not like there's a thousand, you know, major programs competing for the talent. We should be, you know, anyone from our state that we offer should want to come to OU. And and currently, when it comes to Tulsa, that's not always the case. So yeah, that's uh, I haven't heard that mentioned a ton uh, in the Hall conversation. I, I know it's he has you know a very small link there. He was 
He was a coordinator at uh, Broken Arrow, I believe, uh, for a short amount of time. But every little bit helps. So Agreed. Um, and we, we've talked about – Jameson has covered in, in Cruden Corner at length about uh, the, I, I guess, fractured connection with uh, Tulsa and um, recruiting pipelines there. Um, but, yeah, uh, Jameson, any final thoughts on coaching? What have we missed? Yeah, so I think that I need to hit this for sure. I think this is my biggest takeaway um, for our coaching hires, and I hit in half of it already. I think these are all very high-floor moves. I think getting people with experience is extremely crucial for us during a very tumultuous time, and having a head, former head coach on staff is very beneficial for someone who's never been a head coach in Venables. Venables has probably been the darn closest thing you can to being a head coach and not being one during his career, but still, it's nice to have someone on that um, experience. But also, high floor and low risk. Let's talk about low risk because Lincoln Riley, you know, taking over for Bob Stoops, this was supposed to be, uh, you know, the transition from Bob to Lincoln was supposed to have no hiccup period in between. Bob kind of went out and had Lincoln groomed under him to where there wouldn't be like a Bob would leave and then we'd take like a year to find the right person to implement his system. Now, what we're doing right now is low risk because we're bringing in a, a lot of people that have current connections to this program. So we kept a lot of our offensive staff. We brought in Venables as a head coach who obviously loves Oklahoma as coach here before. And then we bring in guys like Brandon Hall, who have, um, has you know big time connections to OU, and also the same thing with Jeff Levy. And whenever you have Oklahomans on your coaching staff, in all honesty, that should make Oklahoman fans a little bit more confident because we just got betrayed and frayed up left by our last coach. So this is kind of a nice little thing, little safety blanket crutch for us that we know that we have guys that truly enjoy and love and have links to Oklahoma rather than just got hired here and artificially made them on their own. Yeah. It's interesting too, because this is the first total rebuild we've really had of a coaching staff since Stoops got hired. Um, Even when Lincoln Riley came in, he basically just hopped in and took over uh, Stoops' staff across the board. Not really any changes whatsoever. Um, His first year and then slowly started adding his guys, uh, as that progressed, but I, I'm with you. This is kind of a it, it's built in built out into a bit of a homegrown coaching staff, uh, where a lot of these guys, like you said, are OU alums, which is very cool. And um, I, I think you can really see it recruiting wise how much passion and energy they have for their alma mater, um, because the the main selling point has been the OU brand, and I think that's something that I think is really really cool. Uh, the, the brand of the university, the stability, the fact that this is going to be okay, I, I think it's pretty great. Ty? Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's funny. You, you were talking about how the, the Stoops to Lincoln Riley transition, uh, he just sort of retained everyone that was there and, and obviously made some changes as he was here, but uh, didn't change a whole lot. And now with the Riley to Venables transition, uh, once again <laughs> – as Justice Riley took just a bunch of old Stoops guys and continued forward, Venables is just taking a bunch of old Stoops guys and uh, and moving forward, being an old Stoops guy himself. And and before I pass the baton off to Jameson, I, I do want to mention, because it's so amazing that we have it, we can't not mention it. You talked about uh, Ted Roof being able to bring some experience as a, a head coach uh, at Duke, I believe, um, to the Venables staff, as Venables has never been a head coach before. Bob Stoops, 
previous to this, I think a lot of people have forgotten, has been a, a special advisor to the athletics department or, or whatever his title is, but he's been employed by OU uh, since he left and will be able to bring that mentorship and that advice to Venables, uh, I'm sure a large amount, especially as Stoops coaches uh, the next game that we have with Venables already on staff. So really there's a, there's a whole month really that you can argue that we have two head coaches right now. Uh, we have the one that's, that's transitioning in and then the one that's actively coaching. Uh, so that is, that is really neat. And you know that Barry Switzer is only a phone call away uh, as well, uh, the short walk away even. So it is tremendous that we have that, that wealth of knowledge here. Again, we, we can't not acknowledge uh, Stoops and Switzer and, and their contributions as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just to just have to throw in a little uh, two head coaches. Uh, but honestly. Uh, yeah, honestly. Uh, so James said, tell us a little bit about the openings. What, uh, what needs to be filled here uh, yeah. as we go on through the offseason? So our offense, for the most part, we can just run through the positions and what they are just to refresh everybody. Um, offense coordinator Levy, I'm figuring that Levy will take over the quarterback room where Lincoln was. Wide receivers, I think Kale Gundy is going to be moving over and coaching that group. Um, Joe John Finley retains that tight end, and then Beatum Boss um, is going to be staying at um, offensive line. But we've got a couple of openings on the defensive line. I'm just kind of trying to do some housekeeping, writing some things down to see where we have it. Because our interior defensive line is still yet to be filled. We filled the defensive end coach with Miguel Chavez from Clemson, the guy that um, supposedly Dabo really liked and wanted him to get an upgrade in his defense. And it looks like um, Brent Venable has been doing some coaching poaching um, on his end. So that was that was what you got to just believe in Venables that that was a good thing. Um, Venables, my guess, will be taking the linebacker room and then Brandon Hall at the safety. So we have two openings right now, cornerbacks and defensive line coach. And those are extremely big-time positions. And I think the way that we're, you know, the, the news coming out that we're down to pay offensive coordinators and position coaches a lot more money as we transition to the SEC, we could see some pretty big-time hires here. Yeah, and the D-line uh, with Venables' tremendous success at Clemson has been one of the the keys and, and sort of one of the hallmarks of oh, yeah. that Venables-Clemson defense has been just a a world-class uh, D-line. There's There have been points where just the timing has worked out that uh, there's been not-so-ridiculous arguments uh, that Clemson's starting D-line at, at some points of past seasons could have legitimately been a decent starting line in, in the NFL. Um, they are – that has just been the, the the bedrock. I mean, the, the line is the bedrock or the foundation of of whatever you're doing on, on either side of the ball. But that having a, a world-class, you know, a cut above D-line is, is something that has been key to Venables' tremendous success at, at Clemson and key to those two Clemson national championships that he's uh, won – so that is that is definitely a very important one, and that's one that Venables knows and knows the value of. So it'll be really interesting to see who takes that. Hey, hey and it was big at OU too. Tommy Harris, uh, obviously massive, massive figure, was great in the NFL. And Gerald McCoy, also an incredible, incredible NFL D lineman for OU. Um, but, of course, I, I, I completely forgot about this. We have to talk about the hiring of my guy, Thad Turnipseed. 
the the director of I, like I, I believe uh, special projects for Clemson. Uh, he was the director of special uh, projects for Alabama as well. This guy apparently is a, a bit of a kingmaker in terms of uh, raising money for projects and stuff at Clemson at Alabama. Completely redid a lot of their stuff with um, their facilities and is just apparently an elite uh, fundraiser. What is what does a guy like uh, Thad Turnipseed bring to a program, Jameson? I, I don't know, but the news is that they were even considering him as a Clemson athletic director candidate. That's like how big of a deal this turnip seed guy is. Whatever he touches, you said, turns to gold. And, you know, once again, um, I feel like a lot of OU fans get apprehensive whenever we see these old people come into these roles. And like, what is this guy going to do? Is this guy going to be the new Annie Hansen? No, he's not going to be the new <laughs> Annie Hansen. Um, I hope he's not going to um, have an affair with Brent Venables. But, oh, uh, my no, goodness. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just no, I'm just kidding. upset because you stole my joke. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but uh, essentially, as you can hear, my dog is really wanting to come up with a squeaky toy. But like this guy, he's very, very highly regarded. And this guy is kind of you know, a total badass. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's he's been great, and obviously, if you know, everywhere he goes, things get better at that place. Um, and going into the SEC, you know, you're gonna have to spend with the big boys. You have to you you will have to be on that level if you want to compete, or else you'll fall behind. Um, because let, let's be honest, the, the amount of money they're throwing around there is, is just next level. Uh, the yeah. SEC the SEC is as good as it is for a reason. Ty? Yeah, and, and just to, to sort of touch on uh, for our, you know, less read-in listeners and, and viewers on, on Thad Turnipseed, uh, absolutely go Google him. But <laughs> so he started out in at, uh, at Alabama, and he started out as a uh, just sort of a, a project manager for construction stuff and, and managed some, some construction, some stadiums, some athletic improvements for Bama. And I guess was just so good in, in meetings, like you guys talked about, um, being a, a fundraiser, being a people's person, you know, just having that ability to, to make friends and, and influence people, uh, worked his way up to a, a full-time position at, at Bama's staff. And then in 2013, went to Clemson, helped them build, you know, the success that they've had there and is now coming over. Uh, I believe his official title at OU is chief of staff, um, which I think is a, a good uh, title. And that it's if you think of sort of what like a, a presidential chief of staff or even in a, a corporate sense or, or some other areas where you have just sort of a, a get it done guy. He's he's not, you know, the, the head coach. He's not even a, a coach at, at all. Um, but he's just someone that, that just gets things done. Like he, you know, director of special projects, just something comes up. Hey, we need a guy to go raise funds. We need a guy to manage this project. We need a guy to, you know, whatever. He's just apparently a, a guy that just gets stuff done and wherever, I mean, he's only ever been at, at it, He started his career at Bama really when it came to being involved in athletic departments and then Clemson and now Oklahoma, he, he bleeds, uh, you know, blue blood, and he's just a guy that, that gets stuff done, makes friends wherever he goes, and uh, when you, when you see him, when he's on your side, you know that you're going to be very successful. So, really cool, and then you know, just an amazing name. Uh, Before I agree, I love the name. 
he looks like a Thad Turnip seed for sure. Uh, but before we move off off my guy Thad Turnip seed, James, I, I gotta ask, what's his Game of Thrones comparison? Is he is he uh, college football Littlefinger? Because he kind of feels like college football Littlefinger in terms of kind of came from nothing, rose the ranks, master of coin. I don't know. He, he seems like a sneaky guy who uh, who found his way into royalty. Are we going to make another joke about how he owns a bunch of brothels? <laughs> hey, he, he might. He very well might. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know if I want to that make That turnip seed moves in silence, man. Littlefinger little little obviously, uh, obviously spoiled very quickly throughout that show. So let's oh, not yeah. let's not make it. Uh, you know what? Why don't we just not relate Game of Thrones and HBO television, unless it's Succession, I guess. Hey, um, I, I love my references. I'm sorry if I'm if I'm bumming people well, out. The I'm just I'm just saying. Um, for the most part, I don't think anyone you could really dive deep into a lot of Game of Thrones comparisons and see how you know horrible of a comparison it is, just because everything in there is just so messed up. Um, except for a couple people, but you know, everyone's a head case in their own way in that show. Um, so I would like to think that that does not have any weaknesses and he's just, just like I said, is just amazing at everything he does. Um, so hopefully he views Oklahoma as his next challenge. You know, um, someone who comes in, who's been through all of this and, you know, gotten Clemson, gotten Alabama in such great spots coming to Oklahoma, you know, like, Let's hope he still has that fire in his belly to make, you know, another, you know, big time jump when it comes down to program, you know, hype and program like notoriety. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. But for the most part, we probably won't hear about him in the public eye much. He'll be doing everything behind the scenes. And if things are going well at Oklahoma, we can probably give him a pat on the back. But other than that, I bet we, we don't hear much about him for years to come. I still think he's a little finger, but whatever. He's a, if I had to come up with a show comparison, he's. I don't know if you guys even are familiar with the Billions or, or have seen it, but he's Wags from Billions, who was also a chief of staff. There so you staff go. Gets stuff done. Yeah, he 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 gets it done. He he's a he's he's the fixer. He's he's great. Yeah, um, he's an enforcer. That's what he does. He yeah. kind of makes his money really. Ooh, he's enforcer. He goes I would around. Like- he goes around to the local businesses on campus corner and collects protection money where <laughs> he'll let the football players come knock everything over. He's like, sure. they do that anyways. Yeah. Logie's bathroom. That's part of the mob tactics, right? You go and you break stuff. And then, you know, a week later or however much later, Thad turnip seed rolls up and he's like, Hey, you know, you give me 5% of profits every week and I'll make sure this doesn't happen again. You know, protect, Wait. You know protection works. He's Chris R. from The Room. He just shows up and he asks, where's my money, Denny? You're, you're, uh, we're stretching another, another we're, thing. We're stretching you know. too far. Yes, uh, um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be very positive for us overall because Annie Hansen absolutely, um, even though there is like word around the program, not a lot of people like her. So, so it looks like we will not be having her position refilled, essentially. It's spoiled so much the people in the athletic department that they don't want another person in power with that role like Annie did. Okay, there you go. Uh, however, speaking of recruitment, we have a lot of stuff happening. And uh, yeah, I, I got to say this intro right here. Go! I think we've seen the last of that one for a while because it's been some pretty good times. Uh, so let's hit the, let's hit the happy one. David. Yes. What is this, David? This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. 
All right, so yeah, yeah Jameson, before you go on the run, Kobe McKenzie flipped back from Texas to OU. How big of a deal is that for uh, recruiting? It's a it's a very big deal because it means that not all is lost. Um, you know, whenever we lost Lincoln Riley, there is just a run on decommitments, of course. And uh, a lot of people panic and it's like, okay, my coach is gone and I'm so close. I need to reopen my recruitment right now. And so I can figure my stuff out immediately. And Kobe McKenzie, like I said, he was the guy who was the first, you know, recruit in this class. Um, And it was, you know, even though he had such a close relationship with Brian Odom, um, it was still kind of like a mild surprise to see him go, even though like his guys were gone. But and then immediately, and within a couple of days, go to the rival in Texas. That's just a little odd. Um, as he got to know Venables and the staff, and like I said, Venables has going to have his hands a lot on the linebackers. Um, obviously, we did enough to realize he doesn't want to go to Texas's program because even though they have the same coach, there's a lot of problems going on down there. So that's an old can of worms that you're dealing with in that. Um, so I, th- I think that he's very happy, and he realized probably that he made a too quick of a decision and. Um, he should have kind of thought it out some more. But the great part about this is you're a really good player. Um, you can come back anytime. The door will be open for you. So, um, yeah, he's been he's been tweeting a lot on Twitter. Have you, have you seen this? I've, I've been reading that. I've been enjoying reading all of his um, comments and replies to his tweets. Yeah, his Twitter has been uh, very good today. His, uh, I, I believe, um, Caleb Kelly said, you're still in timeout. Uh, but more than anything, he said he... He he believes that uh, he's not the only one coming back, is what he said, which uh, definitely sent Twitter into a bit of a frenzy, wondering who else he's talking about might be coming back to uh, to Norman. Yeah, and that that's a big topic, and there's a, there's a lot of people that are assuming stuff. So let's let's squash some things first. Dindy is it's not going to be Dindy. Um, I think he's pretty darn stuck at Texas A and M. You know, um, Calvin Thibodeau is his guy. And once Calvin Thibodeau is gone, you know, he d- he doesn't want to come back. You know, Venables can make an impression on Kobe McKenzie because he's a actually really likes OU. And I understand Dendy is a, is a legacy, but him being out from, like, Florida, um, it's a little bit of different than being in Texas with everything, things being very close to you um, that's going on. But, you know uh, – it's not going to be a dindy. Uh, if we would have retained Tibbs, I bet you we would have had a chance. And at the same time, we don't have a D-line coach to recruit dindy. So it's just not a good situation for one of the best players in the nation. Um, just, you know, other guys that it could be, you know, your favorite guy, Pancake Bobby. I think we've just stopped talking to him, allegedly. he's. Re- I think he's releasing his commitment tomorrow. Um, but it's looking like he's going to go to Houston now as a commit. So, Kind of a fall from grace going from OU's offensive line room to Houston. Isn't that kind of sad? That's tragic. Uh, that is a tragic fall for uh, Pancake to go from OU to uh, what Ty has referred to many times as Cincinnati of the South. Yeah, what, what do you think about that, Ty? You hear about someone. I going mean, it's from a OU lateral to... move. Big 12 school to Big 12 school. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. And they have Dana there. You forget that like Dana was convincing people to move to West Virginia, so I'm sure convincing them to to move to to Houston. I I like to think that Dana has a, a really nice, you know, above board bagman system with with NIL uh, over at Houston. I I would assume if I were him, I'd be I just rent or I just buy houses in the woodlands 
and just put my key players there. Like, hey, you live in this house now. Is yeah. Dana still living in hotels? He he for for years he would just live in hotels. Trash no, the he place. Lived, he lived in that apartment uh, in West Virginia, but then he never paid for it because he's like, "What are you going to do? Evict me? I'm Dana Holgerson." And then he left. <laughs> <laughs> you can't Jeez. evict me. I leave. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, uh, poor pancake. That's a real bummer. Yeah, but I for like people that are coming back. You know, it's it's kind of an interesting question for that when it comes down to the 2022 class, um, because I feel like the majority of the guys that we can get might be guys that might have been silent commits beforehand or strong OU lanes that are kind of coming back towards the light of OU. Um, I haven't seen any posts on who are these, you know, what could have um, Kobe's tweet meant, but just going down targets down the board, we can just kind of run through some of the top targets for OU. Um, Javante Barnes of uh running back from Las Vegas who had a very strong um, relationship with DeMarco Murray, who many thought was an OU very, very lock. Um, kind of had some back and forth recently. I think he just took a, a USC visit. So that's going to come down to the end. But um, he has a very strong relationship with DeMarco, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as an OU, um, as a Sooner. And then there's guys like that are currently on this team that didn't publicly decommit that we were thinking maybe might do it. Um one guy from Texas, Xavier Bryce, was a guy who just took a t- visit to Texas. Um, he's a safety prospect for us, and it was looking very strong like he was going to go and decommit and go commit to Texas. But that seems to have fallen out, and he might be staying in this class after all. So that's another pr- um, positive thing. Um, other guys that um, we like be, would be keeping that are currently in our class that have said um, they're going to stay. Kip Lewis, linebacker of Texas, the two tight ends and Jason Llewellyn, Caden Helms, Jacob Sexton, Jake Taylor, Nick Anderson, Rodney Anderson's little brother, the wide receiver. All We've all heard things from them. And then Robert Spears Jennings, uh, Jane Rowe. And then one guy that is in our class that is still kind of on the fence, looks like Cedric Roberts, a defensive line out of Pflugerville, Texas. That might be another thing you might be hinting at as well, but maybe not. Um, he's between us and then maybe even Texas Tech. I think um, Bobby's favorite guy that ends in a Y is recruiting him really well since he was a guy that used to have some strong Baylor connections. True, true. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, got to also ask uh, about uh, four-star quarterback Nick Evers committing to OU. Uh, finally got our 2022 quarterback, I guess, even though we didn't really recruit it under Lincoln. Um, what are your thoughts? A pretty highly regarded dual threat QB, I would say. Um, do you think this guy is a difference maker potentially? It's, it's huge. Like, for example, what I think about this, yes, this could be a guy that could start in his junior year, but he needed a quarterback commit extremely bad for this because, um, with Caleb Williams being our lone quarterback and Spencer Rattler leaving, like, we were going to be kind of stuck for a bit. We, If Caleb Williams gets hurt, what goes wrong? Caleb Williams transfers. What happens? Ralph Walker time. Create, yes, we need to create some depth in that quarterback room fast because while we're still Oklahoma and we have some clout on the quarterback end and we have an offensive coordinator that is going to put out what I think is the best NFL quarterback option, Matt Corral. I understand there's a lot of draft scouts that disagree with me. I think Matt Corral's got an it factor to him. I just really mm-hmm. like the way he plays. Um, but I'm going to turn uh, my heater up because that take has me really cold. I know. I know. I just like Matt Corral that much. I just think that, you know, 
Um, his production has dropped off at the end of the year because he's just been hurt a little bit, but I think he's extremely talented. Um, but um, now we have a spot where we can don't have to take a guy every other year. We can take a quarterback every year if we need to. Nick Evers is no joke. Like this guy's like, I think the number four overall dual threat quarterback in the nation. Um, like this guy's pretty good and he's going to bring some friends with him. He just decommitted from Florida. And there's another wide receiver that just decommitted from Florida as well. That just visited the same weekend as him and is strong leaning to OU now as well. Um, okay, now I'm completely blanking on his name. One second, I'm, I'm going to find this stuff. Here's uh, While you're great. looking it up, Jameson, I, I want to mention something for Jaden Gibson. the listeners. Jaden uh, Gibson? Yes, yes, but go, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Tom, I was sorry. just going to mention real quick, Nick Evers, uh, like you guys said, dual threat quarterback out of Flower Mound, 6'3", 188 in high school. He is going to be a big boy when he gets on a college strength and conditioning program. It, like we're talking about like uh, Jalen Hurts, if Jalen Hurts was fast and could throw accurately. So oh. I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> Pro I mean, comparison. Just a large big lad. Big Ben ran a 4-3. <laughs> I, I, need, I need to watch more tape on him. Um, but I hope he had um, – I'm looking at a little tape now. I, hopefully he has a little bit of a better throwing skill that um, Jalen Hurts had at OU. But if we get anything close to Jalen Hurts, obviously, huge win. But Jaden yeah. Gibson is a big-time deal as well for us because this wide receiver class in 2022, even with Lincoln Riley, was taking a hit. If you guys don't remember, at the beginning of this year, we thought we were ruling the world with how good this wide receiver class was. But then we slowly started to lose them. Number three player overall in the nation, Luther Burden, decommits and then commits to Missouri, his hometown state, probably because he just got a monster NIL deal. But that hurts. And then Talon Shetron decommits and goes to OSU because he wants to play with his brother, and we won't offer his brother. Um, I think they're fraternal twins, so not identical twins, um, but uh, they are the same age. So Talon seems to have gotten a couple of better genetics um, in the gene pool when it chose from his brother. And then also Jordan Hudson, now TCU commit. Um, this is a guy that we th- that a lot of people think he's extremely underrated. And now he's following going to TCU with the new coaching staff, and they should be extremely happy about him. And after that, we were at the point where we have, you know, Rodney Anderson's little brother, but at wide receiver, you know, we're pretty thin. Um, so getting a six foot five monster of a man wide receiver is going to be nice because I can't tell you when was the last time you know Bobby you want to hear something the lot whenever I hear a six foot five monster wide receiver the last one that we've had the first one that came to my mind is Jazz Reynolds Jazz Ooh. Reynolds I, and I'm first, like I'm like obviously we have other six foot five big guys. But when, like, what is the last guy with that size to play the wide receiver position? So, for me, Justin Brown came to mind. Uh, okay, the transfer from Penn State, but there's probably was one we had before. Another, another deep, deep hit. Who there. was the Who was the guy that he wasn't super high up on the roster, but he went to high school with Baker and he was on the roster. He gets some targets every now and then. He was pretty big, wasn't he? He was like 84, 83. Oh, like I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, Lee Morris? Was it Lee Morris? Uh, maybe. No, Lee that, Morris that, went he, he, went, he went with Kyler. That's, that's right. Um, maybe it was Lee Morris. Maybe I had the quarterback. I know who you're talking so. about, though. Yeah, and Justin I, Brown I, was only six foot three. 
So oh. like this still, still you're you're still two inches behind here. So like for I'm the surprised. most part, like our possession wide receivers that we've had in the past that have been extremely productive. I think the moral of this conversation is is they've been six foot two, six foot three guys. We haven't had a six foot five monster man like this who's been productive in our system. And I said Jazz Reynolds. Like this is a guy. Jazz Reynolds has his vices, obviously. Yeah, Jazz Reynolds wasn't exactly like a big time, a big time guy for sure. And I'm surprised, um, surprised Ty never mentioned uh, his favorite uh, Wikipedia guy, Dorian Green Beckham, six five. Oh yeah, only ever played at OU. OU, oh, the only college oh, you played at. Only ever played at never Missouri. Only played at OU, where he also never played. Uh, definitely one of the bigger what-ifs, I feel like. Uh, Green Beckham, if he actually played, would have been so. awesome. Because his NFL career, I think, was... Flopped you know, really hard. It, it, it yeah, no, it was, a, it was a one-hit wonder. It would be like if you took Jameson's guy, Matt Corral, and put him on like an, an actual team with actual expectations. Maybe actually Ooh, playing man. football might be, might be helpful, but, you know, eh, what are you going to so, do? So, real quick, on the Matt Corral thing, I do want to mention Jeff Levy who was Corral's offensive coordinator at Ole Miss this season, took someone that no one knew and propelled him up to the Heisman conversation until he had some injuries. Lincoln Riley took one of the biggest Heisman favorites of all time and then caused him to be a backup quarterback halfway through the season. So <laughs> maybe Levy is a better offensive mind than Lincoln Riley. Just by that comparison, it, it seems pretty obvious. Oh, I'm loving the take. I'm loving the take. Yeah. Jameson, anything, uh, yeah. final things that are recruiting? We got, we got a little bit more, a couple more commits to watch for in the next couple days. Um, we offered Alton Tarber, defensive line, 305 pounds. Sorry, Grinch, we don't have to get a bunch of small people anymore. We can get big old SEC boys now. Um, decommitted from Georgia Tech, big-time lean down to Oklahoma. Looks like that might be one of Brent Venable's first gets. And then also, maybe a long time coming for a lot of people, Deshaun Brown, a local guy from Oklahoma, talking about keeping things in Oklahoma, uh, you know, from Choctaw. Um, he's an edge rusher, and he got the offer from Oklahoma. And just like many of those guys in Oklahoma are in, like, those three-star ranks, once you get that Oklahoma offer, it's things can move pretty quickly. So look for Deshaun Brown also from Choctaw as another guy to get moving into that 2022 class. Um, but I'm really curious what Kobe McKenzie has to say about getting more people in there because I feel like there might be a splash or two coming in the next couple of days because um, or maybe, you know, before signing day because um, there seems to be some hype and some chirping around Twitter. Some of the champ you guys have said, you know, yeah, I haven't seen nothing yet, blah, 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 which, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think if somehow, some way, Britton Venables gets this class in a top ten, I mean, just what in the world? What a win that would be. What a win mm-hmm. that would be. But, um, yeah, it's definitely trending better than we thought um, after that horrible, horrible uh, Sunday after Bedlam. So here's to hoping that uh, things keep going good. It seems like Venables and his staff have been a good, done a good job of uh, keeping the ship straight. And um, it seems like uh, Venables is a pretty charismatic guy. So that's a plus. But, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Heisman was last weekend. That's kind of fun. I kind of completely forgot it was awarded, but shout out to Bryce Young, I guess. Yeah, Yay. I mean, good for him. Maybe you know, maybe it's a bigger deal uh, if you're a, if you're a Bama fan, you know, or if you had a guy going. I 
one of our friends mentioned that it's sort of a lame award in that you you can't win it on the defensive side. There's just no way because of how you know flashy and how it's just a it's almost a not a branding thing, but it's a you don't actually even have to be the best. You just kind of have to be the best and then also the catchiest in in the media or or whatever else. I, I do want to say it's it's kind of lame when you are the starting quarterback at the University of Alabama. Uh, the number one ranked team, the favorites to win uh, the national championship. You were a starting quarterback your entire high school career, your entire middle school. Like you've done nothing but but been the star player everywhere you've been. And then you say that you hate that people have doubted you your whole life when that's just not true. But I, That's always been pretty funny. You know, everyone slept on me, this five-star, you know, number one recruit. Everyone, ever no nobody believed in me except for Nick Saban, the greatest. Except for, co- except for and, everyone and, that follows college football. Let's let's not forget this guy was the Gatorade Player of the Year in high school at a modern day, and this was a guy that if it wasn't for Spencer Rattler, he would be in Oklahoma sooner. Do y'all remember that? Whenever we were talking about that in recruiting corner, like this guy was huge on OU, but he was a little bit turned away about coming in that year after, right after Spencer. But what if he just had some magic glasses that could see in the future and realize that Spencer just had just a bunch of fake stock in him? You know, we could be talking about Bryce Young, Oklahoma quarterback. But at the I same time, if he if he had um, magic glasses, if he came, then we wouldn't have we wouldn't have had Williams. Yeah, and if he had magic if, glasses, he wouldn't have come. Right? He's already won honest, the Heisman. There's no oh, way yeah. from there. And he's mm-hmm. most probably going to win the national championship. No, so. I think I think obviously what he made was a great decision coming to um, Alabama. Obviously, we're talking about a lot about snowball effect here. But I think Caleb Williams is a guy that even if we had um, a 2020 quarterback, I still think that he would have came and played for Lincoln Riley because that's how much he loved him. But at the same time, if Bryce Young was a huge Lincoln Riley guy and him being from Southern Cal, I wouldn't have been completely surprised at all if he would have been USC's quarterback next year. So what would you prefer, him as USC's quarterback next year, or would you have preferred him to stay in Alabama? To be completely frank with you, even though we're going to probably have to do mm, – we probably won't have to deal with him. Um, we definitely won't have to deal with him in the SEC. I still would rather him be in Alabama than have Lincoln Riley have a quarterback like that. True. He, he can uh, – Lincoln could have fun with Hudson Dart or whatever his name is. So Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart. I, I don't know where I got Hudson Dart, but <laughs> – Hudson Card, Hudson Card of Texas. There you go. That's where it came from. We're a last name podcast. You know, mm. always have, always yeah. were, always have been. I always forget. Are we first name or last name? I think we just screw up everybody's names. We 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 are a one name podcast. We yes. get one and we stick to it. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. So, um, okay, we would be remiss if we did not talk about Army Navy. By the way, uh, Ty and I did a little preview, yes. and Ty. Your midshipmen got the dub. We 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 said anything could happen in a rivalry, and boy, did something happen! What a game! I, first off, I I still I've yet to see actual official numbers on this, but I believe, and there's a lot of people out there. I think they're looking into it. This may have actually set the attendance record for MetLife, um, which, funny enough, uh, MetLife officially seats eighty-two thousand five hundred people. Uh, officially it's never even met its attendance record. It's it's current high attendance uh, is 250 short and it was for WrestleMania, which is just oh my God. tells you everything you need to know about uh, NFL teams from New York. But uh, 
yeah, absolutely electric atmosphere. Uh, it was overcast the whole time and, and beautiful weather. And Navy with their their Fly Navy. This is the this is their Marine Corps uh, special uniform, uh, not the Fly Navies, but their uniform looked kind of weird. The helmets I thought on on social media, but they looked amazing during the game. Uh, just perfect lighting for them. The atmosphere was just ridiculous, and it was a great game. It was close the whole time. We had a lot of really good passing actually on both sides. There were some really sharp. Really well called, really well executed, twenty plus yard passes, especially by Army. Um, it was crazy. We, we saw a lot of offense right out from the start, um, but it's it's worth at least going back and, and watching the highlights. It was one of the better Army navies in in a long time. I've thought not just because my midshipman uh, walked away with the win over Army, uh, but it was it was just a legitimate good game. So I, this is just I'm saying this as a, a sales pitch for anyone that didn't watch watch it next year you've got to watch it next year uh it's such a good game and shout out to um senior might be going to the nfl might might be going to the marine corps uh not sure yet daniel fago uh who we talked about i talked about as the key player for navy uh in the preview was outstanding on defense and then was on a trick punt on a fourth down and got navy a, a key first down on a trick play to, to seal the win. So uh, Diego Fago by far the, the best player of the game um, just sort of stole the show. He was playing dirty at the start, uh, potentially could have been ejected maybe for some, some ankle twisting stuff uh, like what's his name did against uh, Percy Harvin in, in the 08 national championship, that, that same thing. Uh, but Fago got away with it and then, you know, proceeded to just play an amazing game. So, uh, super cool game. I could not be happier. Uh, it was a it was a great day, and part of the reason why I didn't watch the Heisman because it was just such a high from from that uh, that I didn't you know I was on cloud nine, couldn't do anything else that day. It'd yeah. be like you know if Jameson's Chargers ever won anything meaningful ever. Oh, jeez, the Chargers just wow, out here taking strays. That shot just hit. That hit really hard. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we're about Oof. to get embarrassed on Thursday night too. So whatever. Oh man, I'm just over here, just hoping to not get my heart broken in fantasy tonight with uh, the Cardinals and the Rams. Uh, it, y- I, I'm, too, mm. I'm looking on my phone right now. Uh, Cardinals have a field goal, but anyways, this has been a fun podcast, everyone. Uh, the off season certainly more interesting when uh, I don't know your team burns down and then comes back to life. Uh, <laughs> So we have we have a lot more interesting stuff for sure coming down the pipeline. Uh, National Signing Day only a skip away, the early signing period that is, uh, and then of course a bowl game, which is going to be a lovely, lovely mess that I can't wait to talk about. Uh, who who's coaching the defense? Really, nobody knows. Caleb Kelly at this point, uh, but uh, well, actually we do know because the Brian Odom and Tibbs, I'm pretty sure, are still coaching for us. And really? they're just going to finish off Oklahoma before they go off um, to their next jobs at SMU and USC. Well, good for them. Well, that, that's great. That's Roy good. Manning that's is good not, here. though. No, he should be gone. Bye. <laughs> Roy Manning, good, goodbye, buddy. Uh, get out of here. Um, we didn't really like you that much in the first place, uh, other than your fun videos, I guess. But uh, basically, you were Clark Stroud, who coached uh, a position he didn't coach. But neither does Clark Stroud. 
doesn't coach. So, (laughs) anyways, that's enough for this podcast. Uh, Oregon preview coming up soon. We got our bull pick'em coming up with Boat and Blake coming up soon as well. If you like this, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, all of it. And uh, leave a five-star if you uh, feel so inclined. And if you want to see the visual version, check out our YouTube channel where we upload this and other uh, pretty darn good content. Football Feast, uh, uh, you know, Schooner Sim, all of it. Pretty good stuff. So uh, make sure to check that out. Anyways, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. We will see you next week. Have a good weekend. Uh, or just a week. What am I saying? It's, it's Monday. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you soon. Don't worry, sooner.